This is the Like Minded Investors Real Estate Podcast, episode number seven. Sarah, hi. Welcome to the Like Minded Investors Podcast. I am so excited you are here. I am sure Bill is too. Um, Again, it's it's like nine o'clock at night, and we are <laughs> we are still up and recording, and excited to have you here. So, thank you so much for joining us, especially so late at night. Yes, thank you for accommodating. So, I like make my life work around a toddler, so I greatly appreciate the two of you being like, "What time's your best time to do a podcast?" Nine p.m. <laughs> so, you guys are wonderful. I feel like you and I have known each other for a while. Bill and I are about to know each other very well yep. after this little episode, so we'll all be besties by the end. <laughs> so Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and just so all of you guys know, I literally am sometimes in bed by nine o'clock. So <laughs> I this don't is a big deal. Yeah, it is a, this is a huge deal, Sarah. You you better be honored. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I'm feeling, I don't, I'm feeling the love. It's good for me. <laughs> I don't I don't have a little one. So, um, you know, I'm I'm a, I'm an early bird in the morning. So, you know, 5 a.m. is usually oh. my wake up time. So um, I'm in bed early. So, <laughs> yeah, see, I get up at like seven, six forty five. So I have a good way. like couple more hours a day. Like night is my thing. Like, and I also like thrive on not sleeping. So I'm a good like six to seven hours person. That, <laughs> so. That's me as well. I'm a team go to bed super late. This is like perfect for me. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is, I finally get like a second wind about an hour prior to this. <laughs> yep. You're going to be falling asleep and me and Bill are feeling great right now. <laughs> I know. Right. <laughs> so I guess, I don't know, let's start off. Um, I have listened to, uh, you know, you've been on so many other podcast episodes. I have listened to so many of them and I just like, you have been such an inspiration for me. Um, I would love for you to kind of just start by, you know, who you are, kind of like what what you've done and where you are now, because and I know that's a lot because you have yeah. been through a lot since I've known you. I've had so, a lot of shit happen. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'll do the like elevator pitch and then we can dive into whatever piece you guys want to like unpack. So. Perfect. So I guess you and I probably started following each other when I was like full on real estate. Um, I don't know if you remember me from like, so I started my, so I'm nerds guide to FI on Instagram for people who don't, um, know me or know me yet, I guess we'll be friends now. Um, but I am nerds guide to FI on Instagram. I have a Facebook page that I seriously neglect a side podcast that I've not posted on for like three months until yesterday and a blog that has like two posts on it. So, but I'm an Instagram junkie and I answer all my DMS. So I started out on Instagram as like a crazy Dave Ramsey person, um, commiserating with other people in like the little hashtag debt free community back when Instagram was kind of getting its kickoff with more of these like community aspect groups. And so I was newly married when I discovered Dave Ramsey and that was 2016. And we got in all of this debt. Um, he got some like DUIs and there was like car accidents and like all these things. And we ended up in like $18,000 worth of debt and couldn't breathe. And we both had like newer jobs and newer vehicles and we were just suffocating. And so to me, I had like checked every box. And I think that's something that a lot of people can relate is like, 
you go to high school, you graduate, you go to college, you graduate, you, I went to grad school. Um, you know, I graduated grad school. I got my job like in my degree field and I got married and like checked all these boxes. And then you're just like drowning in car loans and car payments and life happens and it gets a little crazy. And, you know, I think I was so focused on, doing what was right and what people expected of you, especially like, so I'm from Indiana. I'm from like a small town. And so I also think there's like this very crazy pressure to just like get married. And so I was like the old one because I went to grad school and got married afterwards. And people were like worrying about it in like small town, Indiana. Because like, how many years of school is she going to do? Um, oh so anyway, God. we paid off 18,000. <laughs> it's so true though. Like, I don't know how, you guys have small town backgrounds at all, but it's a, it's a thing in the Midwest. Um, and so I did all of that. And then we paid off $118,000 in two years. And then I kind of got really into the fire movement. So financial independence, retire early and got really into financial independence, bloggers and podcasts. And then there was very limited diversity in kind of the financial independence area where it was, like historically like old white engineers or not old youngish white engineers. <laughs> and there's a stereotype like Mr. Money Mustache and all of these, you know, kind of the OG people of um, the FI community were just, it was pretty homogeneous. And so, you know, I kind of got into it that way, but then I didn't like like super saving and index funds. And that's really how I got into real estate was I'm like, I don't want to save and like throw money at stocks every month. Like this sparks no joy for me. Like I'm going to be mm -hmm. bored. I'm going to quit. This sucks. Like I'm already bored just like thinking about it. And I haven't even started. Like I'm still in the debt payoff phase and I'm impatient. Like that's probably the thing that's gotten me farther in life is I have no patience except for like my toddler gets a hundred percent of my patience. And by then there's nothing left <laughs> for anyone else. <laughs> and so I don't know how that happens, but um yeah. So then I started doing real estate and I just fell in love and I've been doing that ever since. And so my kind of channels have really converted over to more real estate, but kind of representing women in real estate, no offense, Bill, you're, you're surrounded by the ladies for this episode. Um, but I think it's interesting to talk about, um, there was a post today. I don't know if any of you saw it or whatever that was going around where it was talking about how historically like women in the debt-free community and women accounts are always talking about like, budgeting and groceries and coupons. And I'm like, that is great. But I really like, if someone tells me I should cut coupons, I want to poke my eyes out. Like, it's just not something that is fun for me. And so I'm like, no, no, no. I do real, like I do real estate and index funds and the amount of things I like pay for in a week are stupid. Like I wear like Lululemon leggings and I have my yard mode and I have a cleaning lady coming next week. Like it's not frugal, but like my net worth is really good and doing really well. So Oh yeah. And then, so probably the part we're going to dive into a little bit is, so this, so the last two years, um, I actually got divorced also. So I, my divorce was final in April. And so as a part of that, one of the interesting things that all of you guys have got to watch, um, kind of strategically without over with, I guess, sharing as much as I can without being like Debbie Downer here, because divorces suck. Um, but I'd watched other big accounts in the fire community, not talk about divorce. It was like, if you Google really hard, you might find out that they got divorced, but it was never a thing. I'm like, no, this like rocks your world. Like your world comes to a screeching halt for like a year and it is like pretty catastrophic. And so the fact that no one was really talking about it, I just didn't want to be that person because I'm like, this is like one of the major life events you'll have. And 
there's no one talking about divorce and money, it seemed like. And so I kind of fully shared the numbers and we sold all five of the properties that we had bought together over the last three years. So I guess the timeline for me is 2016 started Dave Ramsey, 2018 paid off debt. And then from 2018 to 2020, so two years, we acquired five properties. Um, And then 2020 was when like our lives fell apart and I got out of like a very toxic, unhealthy relationship and exited that. And then we sold everything that we had owned together just because I needed an easy button. And I'm like, we're going to sell everything and start over. Like both of us, same page, like give me a pile of cash. Like I just want to be done. And so, yeah. So now I'm kind of in the process of we've sold all five houses now and all the funds are being held by the clerk of court right now. And I'm waiting for the funds to be dispersed. So I'm currently like pre-rich with a lot of ideas to buy some property with the funds from all of those houses. But 2021 has been an amazing year to sell properties. And so honestly, like life has worked out very, very well, even though it was very, very messy. And at the time I'm like, this sucks. But looking back, like it was really, really kind of excellent timing for something so horrible to go down because COVID I was grounded. So my job is usually travel. Um, and I wasn't traveling and I could just focus on my daughter and just staying like healthy for her and getting like a life coach and a therapist and all of the fun things. So that is a really long elevator pitch that we should probably unpack now, but Oh my um, gosh. Yeah. There is word vomit. (laughs) I I love, I love word vomit that there is definitely a lot to unpack there. Um, and I, first of all, I just love how open you are about everything. Like that is why, like, I love following you on Instagram. I love your, your lives. I just feel like, you know, you're so down to earth and so real. And it's like, you know, I don't know anybody else that talks about the fact that they've gone through a divorce or are going through a divorce and what happens to all the properties that you guys bought together. And kind of like, I, I don't know. Um, I feel like you kind of have put it out there too, that you're starting over almost. Um, yeah, you're starting over with a little bit of, you know, that cash because of being, you know, the appreciation and then eventually some cash, but like for, so like things really started falling apart in like back in 2019. And so I feel like my life has been on like hold kind of until, we figure this out. But like, literally when I say I started over, like I moved out of my house, I moved into my parents. I like had to get all new bank accounts, all new. Like I had to like rebuild everything. Like when I say like, I don't even have a, like a piece of plastic, like a credit card that was once anything I had when I was married, like everything is new. Um, and so like bought myself a house, like every, like every bank account, everything, Like I just started all over again because it wasn't safe to do it any other way. Yeah. So it was like out of necessity, but now it's pretty crazy to look back and be like, everything I have is brand new. Like every, like, yeah. You see kind of like cleanly cut ties, which is nice, but also very overwhelming because that's a lot of change in a very short amount of time, even though it seemed like it was taking forever. So yeah, yeah I, th- I think you said something poetic in your intro as well, where you said, you know, even though there was rough times and, and getting through everything that like 2021 is a good year, you kind of came out yeah, almost better in a yeah. lot of ways, cash rich, ready to invest. Hopefully, hopefully, Ho- hopefully <laughs> <laughs> um, someday, <laughs> but I mean, 
I don't know if I follow anyone on Instagram or follow the stories of anyone who has openly at least gone through as much adversity in the midst of investing. So yeah. it's, it's incredible to, to see the openness and, and hear it yeah. um, and also see you continue. I think a lot of people yeah. would have just said, I'm done. This is too I hard. I owe a lot to my life coach. Like, no, but it's like a mindset thing. You're like, this could make me terrible, bitter and like hibernate and sell all my properties and sit in a corner somewhere like rocking because it was really bad, like really bad. Like it was one of the more ugly or divorces I've heard of. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was tough, but I mean, you figure it out and you have to get up. And I'm like, I keep telling everyone, like, it was very good for me because I used to be like a perfectionist and this like very intense, like people pleaser and everyone's opinions of me like mattered so much. And now I'm like, I'm not for everyone. Like if I could put that on mm-hmm. a shirt, that'd be great. Like I just oh. like, this is me and this is it laid out. Yes. Like I'm really good. Like, I don't like the, okay, okay cool. Like unfollow me. I don't <laughs> care. I would buy that shirt. I'd wear it. Uh, me too so, me too if i sure. get merch someday gonna put that on a shirt like i'm not this is not for everyone and that's fine <laughs> so sarah did uh did your you know now i guess ex-husband was he kind of on board with the real estate investing did he help you with yeah. all that stuff from the beginning or um you know was he was it something that you had to convince him of like give us a like the rundown on that Yeah. So I feel like the debt-free part, I definitely did it kind of by myself for about a year. And I waitressed on top of doing a full-time job to like pay off my car and pay off all this stuff because he realistically was not going to get rid of anything. And then I, he was voluntold to like go to these like Dave Ramsey events with me. Um, So we did like smart money and we did like these conferences together and he got really into it in the end and ended up like selling a vehicle or two and you know, we actually paid off the last bit of our debt really together, but he was never into like the fine details or the day-to-day budgeting, but we definitely like, he worked a plan and he's like, I don't need to know the micro detail, but like, this brings you joy, like looking at the budget. So like you do you and just like, tell me, like, he was a big fan of cash. Like that really worked for him. Like if I, like we would talk before a month began and be like, okay, just how much spending money do we both want? And we'd get like our 200 bucks each and then we'd go about our month and that's kind of what we would spend. And so we really worked together well, kind of that second year. And then real estate started out as his idea. Like he'd always talked about like, oh, I really want to buy houses and things, but like the action steps weren't really there. And I'm like a very goal oriented, like systems and processes person. And so I kind of nerded out over real estate and realized that like spreadsheets and processes were like most of it. And so he was the repair handyman maintenance guy, like remodeling extraordinaire. And I did all of the like deal finding deal creation, like paperwork, mortgage pre-approvals, like all of the logistics. And so he would go in and remodel. Um, so we did two live in flips together. We did a small remodel and then a larger remodel. So four, I think rehabs, um, before like things went south, like things went south during remodel four. Um, and that's actually how I realized like things were going bad in the marriage is because the remodel got so weird. (laughs) So yeah, that is, that is how I figured out like my marriage was falling apart was, um, so for those of you who haven't followed for very long, um, so it ended up being like an addiction problem. And so like everything stopped making sense. Like I would go and I'm like, what did you get done today? And he's like, I changed out all the doorknobs. And I'm like, why? (laughs) 
and just like the weirdest things were happening. And I like, couldn't understand. And I'm like, I know this is weird because I'm not the person that does it, but I'm the person that's helped you like mud drywall or lay flooring and been like the cut person on the saw. And so I like, he was supposed to go do drywall work and he laid all the floors instead. And I'm like, I mean, thank you. But like, also like anyone that's ever remodeled anything knows like the floors are last and like, dear Lord, now we have to mud all these walls and do all these things. And the floors are in like, and the only reason I know this is because you've taught me this, like what the heck is happening. And so that was kind of like red flag number one, where like things just stopped making sense. And that was kind of my first like foray into, oh goodness, this is not going well. <laughs> so it's like, I've also lived, I feel like it's a good example to talk about because it kind of is a good example for like partnerships. And if a partnership goes bad in business, I'm like, while like it, it's a delicate conversation to talk about because I don't want to share like, like you don't want to be like, Oh, let me like word vomit all of the crazy things I've been through. But also people go into partnerships and things don't end up working out well. And like, never saw this coming. Like you just don't expect like your person to get into bad things. And so to watch it all kind of fall apart around you is crazy. So, but I think it's something that people could totally get into with partnerships and just trying to like, think of ways to protect yourself kind of from, one another, um, in a way is something that I always think about now when talking about like deals and partners and everything like that, like partnerships, I think will forever scare me because I've lived it when it doesn't go well. So, So, you know, speaking of partnerships, I mean, I'm sure, I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to speak for you, but you know, since it was your husband, I'm sure you didn't have some kind of like actual written out, you know, attorney approved, like partnership with your husband. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So we actually did because in order to get the portfolio, but actually ended up being worse. (laughs) Well, I mean, worse, we were probably in the same boat regardless. So we actually, and so we had combined. um, So one of the other things to talk about a lot is portfolio loans. And so we did a commercial lending um, on the third property, the third rental. So the last rehab, we did a portfolio loan on. And when we did that, they wanted our articles of organization and all the details on the LLC and our operating agreement. So I just like went on like legal zoom and like printed off like Joe Smo's like operating agreement and just like penned it in. And so we were just both like 50, 50 owners. But one of the hard parts was we needed to both sign on everything according to this agreement, which ended up being really problematic because he was like unreachable for some time and just getting a hold of him became really hard. And so that's why part of the reason we ended up doing something called a receivership in the divorce is because he was so absent for a while that we ended up appointing a receiver to handle everything. So if he was not responding to emails, the receiver could just like, she just handled everything for us. So she set the sale prices. She chose what offer was accepted and hit all the timelines and we didn't have to wait on him. So I know in the end, it's going to cost us more money to appoint a receiver to make all those decisions, but it was really important just because there was such a breakdown of communication by the end that there was like in that with that operating agreement in place for the LLC, I was like, we cannot wait on him to answer all these emails. Like it's a seller's market. These houses are going to be gone in like 24 hours. And if we can't reach him for weeks, like this is going to be problematic. So that's kind of how we ended up going about everything is just logistically, that would be easier. Like the loss of the money to pay a receiver to do all that was worth it to just be done in a timely manner. Yeah. 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 No, I get that. Um, I mean, so I guess my only other thing is like, 
what if, I mean, I know you don't want to think about it, but you know, there are probably a lot of couples out there who are going into quote unquote partnerships together right? um, without any kind of uh, documentation or without any kind of, you know, all the things that even though you took them right off some website and kind of like put them, <laughs> laid them out, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, I feel like I was probably, my own attorney. <laughs> yeah, you were. Yeah, exactly. Um, you're, you're probably better off, um, than a lot of other couples who like, hopefully it doesn't happen to them, but Um, and it was actually fairly straightforward because we were married and in the state of Indiana, you just 50, 50 split everything. And so it ended up, but not all States are like that too. So I can't imagine like, and I know in all States that probably wouldn't be the case, but you never, like we signed up so young for all of this. And I'm like, there was no talk about like how to do, like we had no assets to really go into it. And so when everything was separated, it was more of a, a, just a split and sell, So honestly, that part was pretty straightforward. It was just like the day-to-day logistics of responsiveness was probably the biggest hurdle. So, and kind of settling on, we tried for a while to figure out like who would keep what. And at the end, we decided to sell it because we just couldn't agree on everything. So yeah, that was because I'm like, I don't want a hunting property and I don't want the house you're living in, but then you want rentals, but I don't want anything. Like, it was just like, it's such a weird situation because I'm like, there's five houses. The rentals are significantly less and we have like all this land. And yeah. So it, we went through like three rounds of mediation, trying to separate out, um, like what we'd keep. And then finally in the end, we're like, you know, we're just both gonna clean slate and start over. So it ended up being a pretty it, it took months to get there and lots of mediation, but in the end, I think it makes the most sense. Um, so yeah, but like partnership agreements do matter. And I've lived through having to be like, well, what does your agreement say? And I'm like, Oh, you know, the one I just like printed off online, let's go take a look at that. Like, they're like, Oh, do you have like this section in this section? I'm like, I literally don't even know, but I 1000% like this was all me. Like I did all this paperwork. So if it says something like not great, this is all on me from, you know, my legal zoom expertise. So I think at the time when you're trying to get a portfolio loan and everything's going well, you don't think about like the importance of these documents. You're just like shooting out of your printer and signing real quick. So. Oh my gosh. I love that. Shooting out of your printer. <laughs> I completely agree. So, um, because <laughs> we both signed it. I'm like, I don't think either one of us were aware of what yeah. we were signing until it came down to it. And we're like, Oh, well, that agreement, we really do have one. Let's dig that out and see what we signed. So here's the thing. At least you signed something. I, we, on our, on mine and my husband's second flip, Um, Mm -hmm. we partnered with somebody, we did not do it the right way. We had no partnership agreements, nothing in writing. It was literally all through email and text message and it just did not work out. Um, we wound up still making money and so did our, our quote unquote partner, but it was not the right way to do stuff. So at least you had a little bit of something to go off of. Yeah. Yeah. So we did have some things that was, I was grateful that we did some paperwork because I like yeah. DIY our LLCs. I DIY everything. And so I felt like mildly embarrassed when I had to like go over with like a real attorney to be like, look at these documents. I just like pulled off the computer. So he's like, you did pretty well. I'm like, it was just pure chance. <laughs> so Uh, trying to do better the next time around (laughs) better better than nothing is is kind of my theory i guess (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, definitely. Sorry, Bill, were you about to say something? No, I, w- I was going to say the exact same thing. At least you guys <laughs> had something in place. You at least did some sort semblance of research to print them out. I mean, it's better than nothing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So where are you today now then? Um, you know, after all of this mess, um, I know that I guess you're still waiting on this yes. quote unquote pile of cash, but you know, kind of <laughs> yeah. where are you now? Like, what have you done since this, um, you know, divorce slash catastrophe of a, <laughs> yeah. of a marriage, of a partnership. Of a yeah. partnership. Yeah. Yeah. Let us know. So, yeah. So I guess three months after moving out, I was like, I love my parents, but at the age of 31, I don't want to be cohabitating anymore with like a toddler who's, you know, I think she was eight months old when I moved out. And so she was little, like she like took her first steps at my parents' house. And so I started um, house shopping and I'm like, I need to house hack because at this point he was kind of in the wind and I was covering, like you guys watched me for an exorbitant amount of time complained about covering all the mortgages. And I think that is probably where I got like the most catty because I'm like, this is kind of bullshit, but <laughs> not my best moment, but it was very frustrating to have to be like, keep everything alive and keep but all the That was the truth. I felt like I loved, yeah. I loved watching that because it was like, you know, this yeah. is the truth. Like this girl is covering the mortgages when she doesn't yeah. really have to be, you are protecting your credit and blah 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 and i i thought the reasons that you were doing it were so amazing to put out to the community so sorry i interrupted yeah go ahead (laughs) no please interrupt um i'm very bad at interrupting myself so you can interrupt me all day and i won't (laughs) notice um so yeah it was so essentially yeah so i did exactly what you said so we had you know this portfolio loan with three properties in it and then we had a primary residence and a piece of land And then I moved out and then got myself a house hack. And so then I was covering my house hack before it was hacked, I guess I should say. So my mortgage on my own. And then in addition to his mortgage, the mortgage on this hunting property that clearly I cared not of. um, Because I'm like, I don't hunt. It was kind of like a toy, but it was, (laughs) we ended up um, doubling our money on that. So I can't hate it too much. And then, um, and then the rentals. And so I you know, was covering all of these for almost a year. And I was like, house hacking is now a necessity unless I want to keep living with mom and dad. And so I shopped house hacks because for years I was like, well, probably two years. I was like, I want a house hack so bad. And that was always a no. And so I'm like, okay, I'm doing me now. And I have a 5 million more expenses than your average person. And I am so grateful every day I can pay all of them. And that I have a job through COVID and I can, you know, I am just so grateful to have this good paying job and I can cover all of these. And also grateful. I live in Indiana because I think like obviously five like New York city mortgages would not be feasible, but thank goodness Midwest. So here we are. Um, and so just covering all of that. So house hacking was a necessity. So I ended up buying, um, a single family home and it's in a really good neighborhood in a really easily rentable place. And I converted it into an up down duplex. And so essentially I bought a single family home that had a walkout basement um, because it had, then it would have all the exterior holes needed to have two bedrooms and like form of egress windows and all of that good stuff. Um, so yeah, I looked at, I think three or four houses before buying that one. And that was also the first time I ever bought something with private money. So the first, so I've now done two deals with private money. 
Um, prior to that, I'd done all conventional 20% down mortgages, including a 20% down portfolio loan. Um, and then I went and I did private money with relatives because I was so worried that he would try to come after my house and the divorce. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want like the place where I'm like someday when he like resurfaces, like he's going to try to come after this house. And I didn't want that to be a thing. So I didn't want to own it. And so I do relatives and mortgage pre-approvals. I'm like, I can go get myself pre-approved for like a nothing down mortgage, but I don't want it in my name because I'm scared. And so they ended up like I had relatives do it. And then I've refinanced since then. So under a year later, I refinanced it. And now it's in my name. So that was kind of like a proud moment to like give them their money back. And they're like, this is sweet. So I'm like, hey, you want to do it again? And so that's how I bought my second house this year was using the same private money lender, but this time actually like titled it and everything in the name of new LLC. Um, and so I actually own that. And then we just have a promissory note and a recorded lien to them. So I make my private money lender payments on that. So that one I did a, like, structured a little bit differently because like, we don't really want to enter name this time um, because like the divorce is final and everything. And we know that that's like, my lawyer said like, he can't come after your house because like the date of separation had already happened and you already mm -hmm. filed. But I'm like, it just like made me so nervous at the time. That's how we structured it. Right. So I've now done two deals with a private money lender, kind of out of necessity with the goal of, you know, I paid you back once and it went really well. So like, let's do it again. So I use that same lender to buy a duplex. And so now when I get the funds from this magical pile of money that I keep referring to, I'm going to pay them back again. <laughs> so <laughs> that yeah, is that's kind of the pain. So, so smart to use private money and use relatives. I'm sure obviously they were apprised of the situation and, and yeah. knew what was going on. So um, I just think that's super smart. And we've heard other people use strategies with spouses and partnerships to put mortgages in one person's name and stuff, but using private money, as a way through a divorce to get yourself a house where, I mean, you, you, you had so much other expenses. Yeah. You have a toddler, like, yeah. In incredible. Yeah. It was a lot going on. So, but I'm like, I have a good job. Um, and so that helped a lot. My credit score is like still an 800 because I was able to weather the one year of crazy finances. Um, my lawyer is like happily on a payment plan and we're just calling that a day. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you just kind of prioritize and move on. So yeah, you just, the name of the game is making it. <laughs> so, so with that, yeah, like doing my best, that could also be a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah. doing my best. <laughs> I'd buy that shirt <laughs> or coffee mug. Um, yes. Or mugs. Very important. <laughs> right. I know. What are, what are you drinking? Is that tea or do we um, not want to know? This is tea right now. Okay. No, this is tea straight up. Um, I rarely drink because I'm so busy. It makes me too tired. Um, yeah. because that's usually what you'd want like late at night, but I am like an old grandma. And so I drink like 30, like I usually drink one to two pots of coffee a day and people like cups and like no pots, like, like of coffee. <laughs> I've cut back to like one. Um, and then I drink tea at night because I have to sleep someday. Yeah. So. Bill knows I, I have, uh, I went cold Turkey on coffee for almost a week. Um, so I'm back bad. up, I'm back up to just one cup a day. I'm like, all right, I need something yeah. every morning, but yeah. Um, so I'm yeah. curious. So with that first, like you were talking about how, you know, after or during, I guess your divorce, you purchased another home. Um, but it was, was it not in your name? 
and the mortgage, mm-hmm. like kind of like how, like, the, you know, cause there's a deed, there's a mortgage kind of, can you explain how, um, you know, for the new people to, to the, to the real estate investing world, kind of what the difference is and, and how you were able to make that happen where it was actually your house, but, um, they yeah. kind of funded it. Yeah. So that would be the second. So post-divorce, okay. um, yeah, I think, yeah. Timeline. Um, yeah, so I bought it in June and so that'd been post. So that was an, so divorce final in April. Yay. And then people are always like, why are you happy? I'm like, you have no idea what I've been through over the last two years. So like, it's a happy thing by the time you get to the end because I'm like, both of us are better off. Like we are in different wavelengths, like doing us. So, um, I'm like, this is a blessing on both ends. Like whether, you know, you want to look at that way or not. So, um, anyway, so yeah, so June, um, found a property on the MLS actually. So turns out you can still find rentals on the MLS. Um, I think that's an Indiana thing, but actually no, because I just saw Mark McMahon found a rental on the MLS today that they're going to flip. And so he's in California. So I don't want you people to come after us because look at like Mark's making it happen. I made it Um, happen. So anyway, yeah. Yeah. So I love talking to people because I'm like, it, it like, it, you have to move fast. Like yeah. you have to get your shit yeah. together, but like, it's possible. So I called them and I was like, Hey, like we did this deal. Like you got your money back. Um, like we refinanced it. And so I'm like, I do. And they wanted to structure it differently this time. So I'm like, you don't need to put it in your name. Like we're kind of through this like weird life point. Um, but I really would like to invest in this deal and I can do the numbers and put together the spreadsheets and send them all over to you. And we'll do like, I make them do like a business meeting and their family and they think it's ridiculous, but I'm like, I feel better about like having like a formal mm-hmm. meal and like a business review of the numbers. And so this time they had less questions, which I think is a good thing. Um, so how we structured it was, um, they will pay all cash. And so that's how we did my previous house as well as they were a hundred percent, like it was an all cash offer. Um, and so it was really shockingly easy. Like it blows my mind. Like once you get out of the world of mortgages, like how simple it is. And so literally, um, okay. So you could probably Google like a promise, like a standard promissory note in your state. Um, I DM'd Lauren, they're probably going to hate me for this. I DM Lauren and Kyle from Reynolds to wealth and was like, Hey, I know you've done promissory notes. Can I have your template? And then I use that twice now. So I've used the Lauren and Kyle template twice to do my promissory note. And so you put all your terms in there. So you say, um, like I lent it. So I bought it in the name of my LLC. So Sarah King serving as, um, like my LLC name purchasing it. Um, and then like the lender. So instead of like saying like, Farmer State Bank will be your lender. Your lender is like human beings. So they're kind of acting as your bank is kind of one way to think about it. And so it'll be their names are lending you this money. And so we wrote up this promissory note, like literally like typed it in my like Google Docs and printed it out and we both signed it. And then I like took it to the title company. I'm like, this is how we're doing this closing. And so we put an offer in um, with an escalation clause, which was really fun because I've never done one of those before. And um And so did that, got the accepted offer. And then the title company just needed um, proof of funds. So from their standpoint, their financial person sent over a proof of funds letter. And then um, I sent over our promissory note. and then the title company like handled everything. And then literally they just like wired the money. And then I bought the house, which is kind of crazy. So um, because my private money lender 
is very trusting. And so they didn't require us to record. So there's usually two steps to this. There's the promissory note. And then you also record a deed. So if like a bank would search right now and like, for example, I'm getting, um, I'm refinancing this house already. And so for the bank, like can't find that there's a lien against it because there really isn't a lien against it. Like the only thing that says that I owe these people like $180,000 is this like piece of paper I have sitting on the bookcase behind me that the title company has. So we didn't record a deed. And so that's kind of step two that you should probably do. Um, but they said it wasn't needed and it was just extra fees. And so we skipped that step. Um, but talking about like uh, partnerships going wrong, like keep in mind that you probably should record the deed because if you like if something goes south, like you need it formally recorded to really like in order to, for them to get the $180,000 back, like the promissory note's going to be a very weak thing to hold up in court. Absolutely. Um, that's like something, that's something like, that you're, I feel like it. that's, I feel like that's something, sorry, I'm interrupting you yeah. again. I feel like my internet is a little bit yeah. <laughs> lagging. Here. No, you're good. <laughs> um, I definitely, I feel like that's something that, um, a lot of people talk about where it's kind of like, you know, it's beneficial for you as Sarah, not to have that, you know, on your, on your record or whatever you want to yeah. call it, but it's also not beneficial for your private money partners to, you know, they, they don't have as much protection. So I feel like it's, it's like, like an unsecured, like yeah. yeah, it's like an unsecured loan pretty yeah. much. Like there is yeah. very, very little security that I'm going to give them that money back, except like my word. Yeah. And they know where I live. And but they, that, that just shows they totally trust you. And that's the yeah. whole thing about, you know, private money is the no like, and trust factor. So they obviously had all three of those things invested in you. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. the holidays are coming up. So they might see you at a yeah. family. We will event. see each other. We see each other every week. It's going to be bad. No. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. So we, um, they're going to get paid back hopefully in the next like month or so. So, um, but it's interesting because right now it looks like Sarah like owns this house free and clear with no mortgages. Like if you pull like title work and everything. And I'm like, sweet. I like walked in, signed a piece of paper and I own a house free and clear and no one knows. <laughs> <laughs> so it feels really sketchy. Like I just feel like there should be more of a table trail. Like I remember like being at signing, I'm like, okay, that's it. Like I didn't, I just like walked in and looked cute and talked to my realtor for a while and signed some documents. Like it's very it's a little scary when you pay all in cash how little paperwork there is because when you take out mortgages, you like sign mm -hmm. your life away. So yeah. And your first and you have to child. prove everything. And this time I'm like this, like I can just like have random people like wiring me money and they don't care where it's coming from because it's all cash, which is fascinating to me. So this is what I've learned about private money. It's pretty badass, and I'd like to keep that going. But I also want to keep my lender happy because this is a great way to scale up because yeah, mm -hmm. the the banks are very happy to grant me loans on something that appears to be owned free and clear. Yeah. So of course, so, I disclosed to them that I have like an actual lien against it. It's just not formally recorded because I'm still a good person. So, but I'm sure there are people out there that do not. So, yes, there definitely are. So that's that's a good thing to note. You actually put it on your, I guess, on your applications when you go to refi that you owe these private money lenders 180 grand or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So I put it on the refi for this. Um, I will say like when I got approved to do my primary residence refinance and that was through a bank, I didn't list out, like I owned all these rental properties 
is they were held within a portfolio loan and the bank holds that in-house. And so they, that's also like not technically recorded, but I didn't think it was, I'm like, this isn't really valid. Like my debt to income ratio is ridiculous. And so I didn't go through the lengths of writing down all of them because it's like such a foray into like calling the bank and figuring out how much all the loans are and everything. So I didn't include it on that because because it's also owned under an LLC. And so that's like business money versus mm-hmm. personal money too. So kind of separate in a way also, but it was more or less just like logistically easier because I'm like, I don't want to have to explain to someone why they can't see these mortgages. So. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh my gosh. I feel like you have, we are so far into this episode already. And I feel like there's so much stuff we could dive into. I'm like, what do we, what do we do next? Um, I haven't even like touched the tip of the iceberg. (laughs) (laughs) We can go for one. No kidding. People are going to be like, we can't talk for hours for this podcast. Just just split it into like five episodes. I was going to say, we're just going to have have to have you on for, for more episodes, but Bill, do you have any, do you have any burning questions for Sarah? I do. Okay. I do. It looked like (laughs) I could tell by your face. You had some burning questions. Seven episodes in, we already have the uh, co-host. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So going back to kind of like the divorce properties and, and trying to sell them yeah were you open to like alternative ways of selling them like seller financing i know you had mentioned that you just wanted to get rid of them and not hold the note or anything like that but isn't there a way for somebody to kind of hold that and you guys get paid every month probably but we did not explore that (laughs) option okay so the first time we ever went to like separate the properties i'm like i'm managing the rentals half the tenants he hasn't even met or knows their name. And so I'm going to keep the three rental properties. He's going to keep the home he's living in, which is the old primary residence in the land. And that's kind of how it was separated out from the beginning in our like provisional order. And then every time we went to mediation, what he wanted changed. And then I slowly lost my ever loving mind. And I was like, we have to sell everything. I can't do this. And at that point, I just wanted a clean break. Mm-hmm. And I also was worried that I'd constantly be liable if like for mortgages down the road, because I, like he's never been in, like, he's never been a part of like his expertise was, he was amazing at remodeling houses. Mm-hmm. Like to this day, I haven't beat his attention to detail on remodels. Like I can not find a tile guy that beats him. And so, you know, there was a lot of things that we struggled with, but remodeling really wasn't one of them, I guess, until the end. And so, you know, that was just my expertise is always taking out mortgages. And so I'm like, given, you know, where the state of affairs is, I don't imagine, you know, going out and getting mortgages by himself is going to be like a top priority. And so I was really afraid to be tied long-term because there's horror stories out there. And there's a couple of accounts and I can't think of who it is now. We're like actually in Felipe um, Mejia's mom, um, like eight years down the road, like was still liable for a mortgage. And she like, couldn't sell the house because he was like in Mexico and she was like stuck with this mortgage and couldn't sell the property because he was just like gone. And so this was like one of my biggest fears is getting stuck. Like, Oh, like it's going swimmingly for five years on some kind of Mm -hmm. seller financing thing. And then all of a sudden, you know, something bad happens to the people and then he's not paying for it. And then I'm stuck paying for it. And I'm like, I really need to break ties. Yeah. Like I really can't have the stress of, you know, I already did a year of this and I'm, I'm tapped out. So I was like, if we're, if we're going to keep arguing about it, we just need to get rid of everything. And he quickly said, yes. 
which I'm still shocked at to this day that that was like the easiest. Yes. I think we got during the whole time. And I'm like, sweet. But I think again, it's the lure of a clean break Mm -hmm. in like starting over with your own funds. And so he needs money for certain things. I need money for certain things. And so we can both kind of start over in one of the hottest markets. So um, we were never interested in exploring other ways because we were just trying to get top market value. And then to me, it was very valuable to appoint the receiver. So we didn't have to wait for like email communications because a breakdown in the communication is why everything took so long. Um, and so to avoid communication breakdown, I was like, I really feel adamant that we appoint a receiver to just handle everything and that we don't need to be present at any of the closings. We're not going to pick the offer. Like the receiver will do all of the choosing the list prices, choosing which offer wins all of that and do all the closings like on our behalf. And so that was pretty amazing. And then at that point, it's totally out of my hands. Like, like it's up to her, whether she accepts like seller financing, but I think in this crazy market of 2021, you'd be kind of dumb to do it any other way when you're trying to get a clean break out of the deal. Yeah. Clean break, top dollar yeah, above ask the whole. Yeah. I think our, we lost money on one, but it was like totally demoed, like down to the studs. The rest we made like at least a 30% like return <laughs> on, like we doubled our money on the piece of land. Um, yeah. The, we had the biggest returns on the two properties I found off of Facebook marketplace. So the piece of land I found on Facebook from this like old couple that was selling. And then one of the houses I found on Facebook marketplace. And so those were like the ones that like crushed it. So I think it was like a 97% rate of return on the land and then like 60 something on the other house or something you can go. It's on my Instagram feed. I posted like all of the, like how much we bought it for and how much they sold for. And it's just ridiculous. So 2020 was one was very good for us. I'm going to have, I'm going to be blessed with some capital gains to pay <laughs> so for better or worse. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But you'll be cash rich and able to kind of dive in yep. now and leverage that whether you actually leverage the cash or, or, or not, or just decide to keep it in house. It, it shows on your income statement for the lender and all that stuff. Right. Exactly. I want to throw it into real estate again. Well, I need to pay off some things because I've like, so I'm now like the person that was Dave Ramsey and now I have like a remodel sitting on a credit card right now. So I'm like devastated by it, but I'm like, there's money coming. So I yeah. just need to like limp by, but at this point it's almost paid off because I thought the funds would be happening a lot sooner, but we had some delays and things for communication. <laughs> yeah. Shocking. So <laughs> take the point or, or not shocking. <laughs> Not shocking at all. I was like, not surprised. Like at this point, nothing surprises me. So, right. Right. So I'm curious about how, so, you know, we had a uh, Mindy Templeton. I think she was on bill. Was she on episode number two, right? Two. She, she was. I think and it's number two. Just to kind of call back Lauren and Kyle were episode yes. one. Oh yeah. 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 You had yeah. Lauren and Kyle were your OG episode. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. That, that's why we had to have you on the top 10 or the first 10 episodes, Sarah. Cause I feel like you're like an OG. Yes. Like my investor, you've been supporting us for so long. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm already, you guys are doing amazing things. Yeah. Oh, I'm really excited to share this episode and watch your podcast grow. Like I'm so excited for it because you guys are awesome. Thanks so. girl. Thanks. Um, so I'm curious about how kind of like, 
I, I actually didn't know until just now that you found some of your properties on Facebook marketplace. Um, you know, yeah. a lot of people just think that they go to realtors and, or an agent and they find a property on the MLS and that's the only way to do it, but it is pretty cool. I didn't realize that you yourself found at least from, from what I'm hearing two properties sure. from Facebook marketplace. Um, what else do you do to kind of, find these properties and um i don't know maybe if it is on the mls kind of do you have any tips for people to to get um a deal on a property that actually like you know makes sense if they're gonna rent it out or rehab it or you know do whatever yeah. needs to be done to it to in order for it to make you know sense as an investment yeah so the two so i'm just always on facebook marketplace um yeah. looking at rental comps so where i live so like people have the like the amazing privilege of having like rental meter work in their area i live literally in the middle of nowhere none of the websites that are like oh this is what your house should rent for it none of them work for me which is very frustrating but it's been a really big blessing because it means i'm constantly on facebook marketplace looking for rent comps because for some reason most of the landlords around here will post their rentals on Facebook to try to get it rented. And so there's a few bigger websites that I pull comes from of like larger companies that are kind of, you know, property management and then Facebook lists. So while I'm in there looking for like rental comps, there's like houses for sale to constantly looking on Facebook. And so yeah, I've found two properties over the years, like hit it out of the park. Like the one was like a three bed, one bath for $64,000. And I'm like, done. Like, this is the easiest house I've ever bought. Um, and then the land was 110,000 for 22 acres, which is probably crazy for a lot of you listening. Um, oh my God. But I didn't have a house. Yes, I think it's just bare land that. for want, 22 acres for $110,000. <laughs> yeah. So that was pretty awesome. It was a beautiful piece of land too. Like it was gorgeous, like loved it. And the other family will be very excited to own it. So it's kind of fun to see like the next generation of people like buy these deals, but we definitely like killed it on the numbers on those. So, um, but yeah, otherwise I'm pretty boring. Like otherwise it's MLS and looking, um, I, you have, you do have to get creative a little bit lately. Um, I've had the I don't know. I just feel like it's, if you're patient, like I'm not trying to buy like 50 units a year. I just need like one or two good deals a year, maybe mm -hmm. three. And so the odds of me finding at least like one good deal on the MLS a year, even in 2021, like it still happens. And so you just have to like be patient because you're not going to get one like every month, but you can get one at least a couple of times a year. Um, I actually bid on a second duplex this year also and didn't get it. Um, one of my really good friends got it and I love to hate her. No, <laughs> but she, this is her first rental property. So I'm kind of Aww. like a proud parent also. So it's like a love, love situation, I guess. So watching her do her very first rental is kind of more amazing than actually getting it myself. And then there was another one that came up shortly after that, that I didn't go after. Um, just because I feel like I needed to wait for my rentals to no longer be in credit cards before buying something else. So, or my renovations, not rentals. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my deal finding is pretty basic. Um, I've done two yellow letter campaigns. My first had a total of two letters in it. My second campaign had 34 letters in it. And then my second campaign of 34 letters, I actually got a response. Like this lady called me and she wasn't interested in selling right now, but her, 
She's currently managing rentals for her parents who have since divorced and her mom has like three or four and her dad has six. And so I like keep her number saved in my phone. And I tried to call her like a month ago to see if she'd talk to me again and she didn't answer. Um, but I just keep her number and I'm, you know, on my phone, hoping that one day she's going to unload all of these because this one I'm like dying to own her one duplex that's like up the road from my house hack in a really good neighborhood. So I'm like, please call me first before you don't listen to all these realtors about the seller's market sell to this like strange girl who mailed you a letter. So Fortune is in the follow-up um, though, as they say, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, there've been a couple properties where I've done, I've done, let me think four or five direct mail campaigns. Like the biggest one was like 600 letters. And there were a couple of properties where I'm like, Oh my God, if I had just like followed up, we would have been able to get it within a couple yeah. thousand dollars of our max bid. So definitely fortune in the follow-up and, you know, keep going after them. Um, but that's, that's pretty yeah. cool. Do you though. follow up differently with your campaign? Like I'm yeah. trying to figure out like next steps. Like I need a new yeah. angle to like come at this lady. Is clearly calling her. She's like, yeah, I'm not answering this girl. <laughs> so maybe, I might, you know, maybe send her some other letters. Send, but, send like a pretty letter with your beautiful face on it and be like, hey, I really want to buy your place. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. So this is the other extremely embarrassing thing. Okay. So I send my letter yellow campaign and then I went on a week vacation to Florida and I was with my parents and they had terrible reception where we were at. And so I'm like trying to talk to this lady on the phone and she's older, slightly hard of hearing. And I have terrible cell reception. It's like a perfect storm. I don't. So I know she owns one of two duplexes and they're both like beautiful. They're both on the same street, but I don't know exactly which one it is. <laughs> so we'll just have to send letters to both. And then hopefully the right one will be the winner and she'll call me. But embarrassingly, when I'm like caught off guard that I actually got a response back thinking that would never happen. I didn't ask her like, by the way, ma'am, like which of the houses were yours? <laughs> <laughs> So I had to like figure out from my like 34 letters, which ones were duplexes. And I have it narrowed down to like, she's either like this lady or this lady, but I didn't formally know exactly who she was because one of them's like in a trust. And so, yeah, it just, it was complicated and I can't entirely figure out which one is hers. <laughs> so that's fun. I don't, I don't know what house I'm buying, but I'd like to own it. <laughs> yeah. No matter what it is, gas. I, I want to own it. <laughs> yeah. They're both like two bed, one bath duplexes. And so I'm like, they're really similar. So she's like, well, you know, the duplex. And I'm like, yeah, sure I do. <laughs> For the price of a stamp, you can double down. <laughs> yeah, there we go. So two stamps are needed to figure out which one I'm going after. Watch out with that budget. <laughs> I know. Budget needs to get locked up now. <laughs> So I'm curious, you said um, that you're kind of on the pace to buy one or two deals a year. Um, yes. You know, a lot of people, I feel like I I'm one of those. I don't know if Bill is. He's on his first like live and flip right now. I don't know if like he plans on scaling or, you know, being like this big time. Real Okay. Yep. He's shaking his head. Yes. Um, I mean, the I, dream, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I personally, you know, me and my husband, I'm a real estate agent. My husband is a remodeling mm -hmm. Um, contractor, you know, we have our modeling business. Um, we don't really have any plans of like scaling the real estate huge. Like we've been doing one or two, one or two deals a year. So yeah. it's kind of interesting to have you on. Cause I feel like you're somebody, um, 
almost, I don't know, I wouldn't say one of the first, but it seems like you're okay with not scaling huge fast. Um, yes. Kind of like what brought you to, to your decision to only do one or two deals a year um, within real estate? Um, so I got hooked on it because I, okay. So first of all, I have like different mentors than a lot of people. So people are like hardcore drinking, like bigger pockets, Kool-Aid and bigger pockets gives me anxiety sometimes. Um, love them, like love what they're doing. They're badass, but also like the people are like, I own a thousand units. And I like literally break out in like a hot sweat like that just like makes me super <laughs> nervous. And I'm like, good for you. But I feel like people are just bigger, like growing to grow. And they're not really thinking like mindfully about the portfolio they're building. And so I started following. So my original person that got me really interested in thinking that like me, the not handy human could do real estate was Paula Pant, which a lot of people don't I know love she her. afford anything. And so I'm obsessed with her. So in two weeks, I'm going to FinCon to, or whatever this airs, I'm going to FinCon, which is like September 22nd. And she's one of the hosts again this year. And so I'm very like nerding out over the possibility of meeting her. So um, she is a phenomenal person. And so she was not handy, but bought like a small but mighty portfolio. And then from her, I got hooked on Coach Carson. And so he's written one of the books for um, Bigger Pockets, actually. So he did financial dependence through real estate and he did a lot of case studies on smaller portfolios. And so I like the risk reduction of um, like having just a small but mighty portfolio of like 10 to 20, maybe 30 units. Um, I do think like what some people are doing is pretty bad. Like the stealthy rich, I think are doing really badass things, but they kind of have to like double their, because there's two of them. So they have you know, like I think 80 properties or so, but they need to have yeah. double. So I'm like, okay, for me, that'd be look like 40 realistically, but I'm more about cash flow and people get really caught up in burr and like sucking all your money out and buying more, which I think is valid to grow. But at some point my cash flow off of 10 houses will be what other people are getting off of more like 30 houses because I'm going to pay them off or down. So I really want like 10 paid off versus 30 that cash flow like $200 a door. Don't check my math. That was really bad mental math. It's late. <laughs> I don't know where my number is. So essentially imagine like if your cash flow is like, I don't know, like, okay. So if your cash flow is $200 a door, but your mortgage is say $600, that's $800 a month that you from one property. And so paid off less of them. It sounds like way less of a job and I'm the financial independence person. So I'm not trying to buy myself a job, but I know there's lots of systems and you can scale and you can get property management companies. But at some point I'm like, but if I only need like 10 to 20, I feel like that's manageable. And if I want to get a property manager later, sweet. But I feel like that's way less CapEx and overhead and headache to have paid off houses versus highly leveraged houses. So it's just kind of a personal philosophy, but I don't, I don't have an ego really. And especially like, I didn't really have an ego before. Like I'm not, I'm only competitive with myself. And so I'm like, and then divorce like really crushes that out of you. Like you just, like, but I think it's been great because I'm like, I don't really give a shit. Like if people are like, oh, I want to buy storage units in like 1031 exchange and apartment complexes. I'm like, I really like a good single family home. Like just really like it because I'm like, I want to put someone in there and have them live there for 30 years and pay off the mortgage like three times. So yeah. that's kind of the dream is houses like, so I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm like going through all of Instagram. Um, so if you guys follow the late, like Rick Jarman, he had a house that he talked about where 
you know, he was, so he's real estate old school. He passed away um, from COVID early. Oh my God. I cried. So, I cried so hard when cried I heard for that. Days. days. Yeah. Yes. Days. I loved him. Um, I absolutely so loved him. He is he is just a phenomenal human being. Mm-hmm. And so during my divorce, he listened to me talk to, it was a podcast or a live episode. And I talked to, um, I can't remember. Um, he does, uh, anyway, I'll think of it later. Steve Rosenberger. I can't remember his name. Oh, Steve, anyway. Steve Rosenberg. Yeah. Okay. So him and I had a little live event and he like drilled me on like which houses to keep and how to scale in like 10 X. And Rick called me like on the phone, like asked for my number afterwards. And we would have like several phone conversations from then on out because he said, my story sounded really similar to what her daughter, his daughter went through. Um, and so we talked a lot about like all the craziness that was going on with my life. And, um, yeah, because I went through like stalking and all sorts of fun things, um, in there, in the, in the mix as well. And so he like something resonated, I guess, with him. And I didn't say that in the episode, but he just like felt the need to reach out because he's just such a good person and we really connected. And so that was devastating to kind of watch him, you know, very unexpectedly pass away. Um, I forget where I was going with this train of thought. Um, but anyway, so he had a property where the single mom moved in with her baby and 30 years and like he remembers like the teenage son like driving his car to like pay the rent in person and he was like oh like you helped my mom like you helped my mom out and like now I'm going to college next year and like it was some like really sweet story about like you know he watched this little boy grow up in one of his houses and I always like story because I'm like it was a home to them like that was the place there was a mm-hmm. single family home they maintained the outside inside and that was theirs for probably the life of the loan because he did 15 year loans, but I think she had more than paid off the mortgage by living there. But I, that's kind of where I felt like that niche was kind of more my calling of what I wanted to do is just, you know, giving people that pride of ownership. Like I don't need the giant apartment complex. Like I like helping families. And so that's more like meaningful to me, but again, like I have the corporate job for the, you know, the money, this is kind of like my, this is my fun, like passion project that will become like a real, like wealth building stream. So yeah, that's kind of my, yeah, very, probably very not mainstream approach to real estate, like 1031 exchanges and 10 xing and all of that. Like I'm not going to 10 X my mistakes. I'm kind of learning slowly along the way. And I think that's kind of the danger also when you scale up so fast as I worry about these really, really young investors out there just mm-hmm. like burring their life away and how that's going to look sustainably Ooh. when the market eventually dips, which I think is a really, yeah. really long time away um, because of the like building shortage that's out there, if people have followed that at all. So there's just a shortage of like homes for people to buy because there was a built, like people just stopped building after 2008. And yeah. so I'm like, we're a long way away, I think from anything bad happening, but eventually like the tide goes out. So yeah. yeah, something I mean, has to happen at, at some point, but um, right. yeah, but yeah, sorry, Bill, I interrupted you. No, I was going to say yeah, same thing. Like it's bound to happen. History proves it. But I think the one thing that you touched on that I think people forget, um, and I think Bigger Pockets does a disservice with, is the humanity of real estate investing. Yeah. Like yeah. you are literally giving someone a home, there is a customer service aspect to it where, you know, they mm-hmm. are pay- paying you, they're paying the mortgage. 
they're giving right. you profit. They're, they're main, giving you a certain lifestyle, even really when you think about it. Right. Oh, totally. Um, like, I live a very cushy lifestyle. I need a spot. Like I need like several houses to afford my like clothing habit. So <laughs> it's yeah. real. <laughs> I mean, we, we all have our vices. Like when COVID's over, like I want to travel to Europe and do, do my thing. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, like you said, like having a family grow up in the house would be ideal, especially if they take care of the property and they pay the right. rent on time. Like that's the, yeah. that's the goal. I mean, obviously you would hope that that family maybe learned and appreciated real estate for themselves, but at the same time, not everybody wants to be a homeowner. Some no. people just want to rent. They don't want, they're not handy. They don't want to deal with mm-hmm. it. And that's okay too. Right. Everyone's and I still like run a business. Like I feel like yeah. sometimes, some days I talk like the touchy feely side because it's like what I'm passionate about. But then other days, like I just to kind of, because I'm like, now people are going to listen to this and be like, oh, that's too soft for real estate. But I'm like, I was talking to someone today and they're like, I can't get anyone to do rent collection through like rent ready or like I use a veil, like whatever, like X online platform. I'm like, then say you won't rent to them. <laughs> yeah. It's literally that simple. I'm like, I'm like, that's a no from me. Like we were, I was not meant to be your landlord then. Like You're, I want uh, good people, but like, so there's like a fine line between like taking care of humans, but they also have to like meet certain state. Like I will right. blow your mind with how fast I'm going to get something repaired and fixed because that's what yeah. I take pride in. But like, if you can't figure out how to pay your rent online, like we're not going into this relationship and like, you can't like mess with my systems. So, yeah, totally agree with that. There, 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 there is a fine line yeah. between like being like friendly, but also like, we're not like trying, like, I'm not trying to hang out with you. Like we're not going to be buddies, right. but like, I do like send you a gift card for Christmas because that's like a nice gesture. And it's, you know, we'll see if that continues into the future. <laughs> it's like your um, art worker or saying in the background, work hard and be oh, nice. yeah. you can, you can be both. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You can totally be both. So it's very true. So yeah, for those of you who can't see my giant, like I kind of ordered it and I'm really bad at measuring things sometimes this is why I like was not the contractor is like a giant, like work hard and be nice sign. <laughs> um, but it's so true. Like, yeah, just like treating humans well, but then also you have to demand some level of respect too in this business or you'll get run over. So because everyone has a sad story, everyone. So agree. Uh, yeah, that's for sure. You like, I was, a property manager, like corporate property manager for hundreds of units for years after I graduated um, college. And I have heard it all. Like I've had mice in bags thrown on my desk, um, like just (laughs) the most craziest things happened to me. And it's like everybody. Yeah, you're right. Everybody has has their story. But it's so funny. You were you were talking about, you know, like accommodating people. Um, I was just thinking about the other day. We there is one tenant that we still have that I'm like the only reason we have a P.O. box anymore is for this one tenant to send us rent. And I'm just like, oh, if I could get them to get on to, um, because we use what was cozy.co, now it's apartments.com. I am thinking about switching to Avail. Uh, Maybe we need to talk about that. That's my favorite. (laughs) But I am switching. Let me get my soapbox about my Avail obsession. It's unreal. So (laughs) we'll need we'll need to chat about that. Um, But I'm like, if I could just get them onto, you know, an online rent payment system, I would not even need to be spending a hundred dollars a month or a hundred dollars a year, which I know is not much, yeah. um, on yeah. this PO box. So yeah, I, I, 
I am all on board about kind of like give the give and take with tenants, because the other thing too, Mm -hmm. is with that, with, you know, those tenants that are paying by the PO box, it's like, we are there within 24 hours, anything that happens, we go and fix it within 24 hours. Like you can guarantee it almost that it will be fixed. Yeah. So, um, I think, uh, yeah, I agree. It's like a give and take. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing is I inherited some tenants and last time I was like way too nice nice to my very first inherited tenants. And then this time around, I'm like, I'm going to give you two months. I only accept payments online through my online platform, get a sister, get a friend, figure it out. I, but I'm like, I will not renew you if you can't figure out online payments. And I'm telling this like 80 year old grandma this, and I'm like, I feel like such an asshole, but I'm like, it's systems. And I have a full-time job. It's literally kicking my ass right now. It's kind of getting better. But, um, like, I'm like, I, I just don't have, to, like, I'm not going to deal with the checks and the stories and whatever. And I'm like, I know you can, like, every person's going to promise you they're going to pay and it's going to be easy and great and fantastic. And I'm like, I, I'm not like you get two months of normal, like however you're paying, pay me in that way. If you mean to drive over and pick it up for two months, like knock yourself out. But after that two months is up, like you are moving on or we are like figuring out online payments and Ooh, I love magically, it. Magic, magically, they all figured it out. It's crazy. I'm like, you like find someone to help you. I'll sit down and help you. Like if you set up auto pay, like you don't have to worry about it for like the rest of the year. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. And I don't think that's like a major hill for anybody to die on. Even an 80 year old grandma, yeah. like she figured it out. She figured it out. I was very proud of her. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if they know how to FaceTime, grand, you know, their grandkids, they can, they can figure it out. Yeah. I'm like, get one of your grandkids over here. Like they're tech savvy. They'll figure it out. Like all you have to do is feel like comfortable giving your like 14 year old nephew, your like bank information. But I mean, they'll, they'll do like a little TikTok dance about it or something. <laughs> exactly. Whatever the yeah. kids are doing. <laughs> Dating myself. <laughs> So Sarah, I guess we're kind of going to wrap up here in a second. Um, I just kind of wanted to, I don't know, Bill, if you have any other like pressing questions, but I kind of, my last question. I have one question, but you can go first. Okay. So my last question is, so last week we went over the five like top fears that um, new real estate investors have. So I'm kind of curious Um, since I feel like you kind of, you're kind of like me, like, I feel like I had like two real estate journeys where one was with my parents and, Mm -hmm. you know, I flipped, um, five houses with my parents and helped them manage their rental properties. And then I moved on and did stuff with my husband. Um, so I feel like I kind of had like two, um, investing journeys and I had different fears for each one. And so I'm kind of curious, kind of how, you know, what were your fears when you started investing with your now ex-husband versus mm-hmm. kind of what are your fears now doing without him? So I think when, so I, I didn't, I wasn't afraid of buying the first rental property with him until we closed and then I had this like, oh shit moment. Like I literally, I cried in Aldi and then I call, I don't know if you guys have Aldi. Um, yes. And then some mindful money coaches, Liz was like my mentor, like still is to this day. Like she's my business, like mentor. And I called her from like the Aldi parking lot crying because I'm like, 
he's handy, but I have to find tenants. I don't know where to get lease forms. I don't know how to like set a budget for this. Like, I don't know what anything costs. Like in this guy's not going to set a budget. Like he can go in and remodel stuff, but like how much is going to cost? Like, I don't know anything. Like I don't. And so I'm like, it's literally just me, like going to be me figuring it out because he's going to be in like the action item, but like, can we even afford to do the actions like that? Like there's so many pieces, like the behind the scenes work. And I'm like, and I quickly realized that would be me. And I'm like, oh shit. Like this. And I don't like this is amateur hour. It's like the blind leading the blind only it's just me. Like it's just figuring it out and kind of my, like working your way through it. And then to learn that like most people are just like guessing and checking. And I think that's like the thing with houses is you're just like fake it till you make it. Like someone knows how to fix, like someone has seen this plumbing issue before this like drywall problem or, you know, there's YouTube videos for everything. And so it's just like a giant problem solving exercise. But when you first have to know, like, like, do I like bring the tenants in and like sit them down and like walk through the lease form with them? Like, how do you even do that? Like, are they going to act like, like think I'm crazy, like a Todd, like walking them through like a little kid or is this like what people do? And so you just don't know anything. Um, and so that was kind of the terrifying thing is to a realize that like all the logistics, like there were so many logistical pieces besides renovating. Um, and so I, it quickly became a lot more of a business for both of us to be in versus like, I thought it'd be more for him, but then he's the remodeling expert. And I'm like, holy shit, there's so many other pieces to this. This is a lot. Um, and then, so by the time I did it myself, I feel like I'd hype myself up so much because people just thought I was crazy, like house hacking with the toddler. And then I had this vision to like add an extra bedroom downstairs and like split this giant picture window in half. I've saved in my highlights, but like when I was like, I'm going to run a wall down the middle of this window and people were like, dear God, what is this girl? So I like, I had to be my own hype man. And so I think by like pure, because I'm like, there is no like way to like, there is no other option. Like this is going to work. And so you just do it. So I don't know. I feel like the second time around, I was a lot less afraid, but I'm like, I can call some people uh, <laughs> and figure it out and get quotes and I had to fire a contractor and I mean, it was messy, but you just, yeah, I had a lot of calls with like Rick Jarman about like, I froze my own furnace, like literally froze it solid. Um, my contractor I fired, filled my furnace insulation. <laughs> um, it was just a strange that I have a brand new furnace in the HVAC that probably died like 10 years prematurely because of that incident. Um, and so it was a lot, a lot of learning curve for this house. And then after I like limped through my own and like doubled my remodel budget, I felt like way more confident for the next one. By then I'd like assembled a team of humans to like fix all the mishaps that happened. And then I found some pretty good people. So I like, once you get your team, it gets easier. And then they might know somebody that knows somebody. I'm like, who knows a plumber? Um, and you just kind of grew out your team. So I don't know. The rest was pretty simple, I guess. I don't yeah. know. The second time around was a lot less scary, but I feel like a lot more went wrong, which is interesting. But I think I was just like, it has to be, it's fine. Everything's fine. We're making it. <laughs> so a lot of mindset I think was more positive and more like, I'm just going to own it because it's me and I'm going to prove that I can do it. But yes. I'm also very uh, stubborn. <laughs> mindset. Mindset is, um, mindset's everything. Yeah. Ev everything. I actually, I, I've been meeting with a mindset coach for almost an entire, actually it's been over a year now, every single Thursday morning. Yeah, yeah. So tomorrow morning, um, I meet with yeah. her every single week and she has made 
the biggest difference like in my life. I'm like, if you want to get started in real estate, I think you should start with a mindset coach instead instead of a uh, thousand percent. Like, I don't think I'd be where I am or like, because people are like, how are you happy? How are you not like under a blanket of anxiety, like hiding in your bathroom? I'm like, you have no idea, my friend, like it was rough times. And so like, it's, it's just a mindset works. I had a life coach that was like a divorce life coach, um, that taught me mindset and it just changes because like everything, the way you interpret the world is just like, sorry, this will get lovely and deep, but you'll appreciate this. (laughs) Um, because like everything is like, like everything is neutral. Like you're like, I'm sure this guy, like he, my furnace is full of insulation. There's nothing I'm going to do to change that. I can react like this sucks or I can react like I'm going to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And the, this sucks. This terrible. woe is me. Like you do this downward spiral where you don't get anything accomplished and you don't get anything done and you're unhappy and you're miserable and you're stuck in this situation. Or I can be like, well, shit, this isn't great, but here we are. So I call and you just start calling people and you work down your list of contacts and you figure it out. And then at the end of the day, like your furnace isn't full of insulation anymore. And it, and you like accomplish something and you're feeling empowered and badass and like ready to do the next thing. And you're like, well, this is a way better space for me to operate in. Like just this handling the shit when it comes at you, because like it will, like everything will come at you. Like life will give you a million reasons to be negative, but it's like a choice how you interpret life. Like cars break down, houses break, furnaces, like shit always breaks, but it's like, how do you choose to feel about it? Like, does it like ruin your whole day? Or are you like, like, I'm so blessed that I have a really good furnace man named Edward that will answer me at weird hours of the night. (laughs) We're now best friends. Shout out Edward. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like we need to like give like a round of applause right now. If we were like editing, put a round of applause uh, in there for Edward right now. In there. Yeah. He's the best. Or Richard, his last name is that, but anyway, so no, now everyone knows him. Please don't like stalk my HVAC guy. <laughs> um, he's like a saint. He also has like seven kids. So like, bless him. Like he's oh a rock star. I, or really his wife, like she makes the world go around. So <laughs> yeah, it's, they're pretty awesome. So yeah, he deserves it. He's been the real MVP through all this because I've had the most furnace problems ever. So I feel like it's a, what great what guy. Podca- what yeah. podcast is it where they go MVP MVP is that a real estate a rookie? Rookie, okay. Oh. Yep. <laughs> he's your yeah. he's your MVP. <laughs> he is no, he totally is. So he's yeah. we're probably gonna yeah. do. So when I get my mystery pile of cash, we're gonna put a new <laughs> furnace and air conditioning units on both sides of my new duplex because the um, HVAC and AC units are literally my age. Like I'm 32. They're 32 years old and still alive. I don't know how, but I'm like, I feel like we're on borrowed time and it's going to be like the dead of winter during like another polar vortex and they're going to go out. So yeah, like Richard's helped me with a lot of things over the years, like dealing with all of my like weird problems. And so I'm about to buy a new furnace from him. So he'll keep me he'll keep answering my weird questions and phone calls and text messages with pictures on like how bad is this (laughs) smart it's smart yeah so bill did you have a a a last question or two here before we wrap up i'm like really sad that i feel like this this it's been (laughs) probably over an hour now sarah you are the most like interesting person i feel like we could talk to you for like five more hours (laughs) but 
um, it is 10.22 and I was supposed to be in bed yeah. an hour ago. So <laughs> yeah, I'm saying this is way past your bedtime. We're keeping. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll, we'll no, stay on. We'll it. keep going. You can go to bed. <laughs> so in twist of irony, you're up really late. But um, in the morning, my bookkeeper is coming over 8 a.m. So um, which means I have to get the toddler to my babysitter at 7.30 to get my ass home by 8 o'clock where my bookkeeper comes over to like help me with like she scanned in all of my receipts from literally the beginning of the year until now and so we're gonna dive through that at like 8 a.m and so i know that's not early for you but like i have to get up like a normal human because i have like business meetings for my day job after that so i have like get up shower take the toddler get back like do bookkeeping and then start the day job well so, we so appreciate you being up this late though i mean and Please i would have been up this late I'm anyway up. I'm a little bit jealous that you have a bookkeeper coming over to do that. That's like my job she, once a month. She yeah. is, she's new. This is our first foray yeah. into skinning and receipts. And I literally gave her like, I'm sorry, here is my basket of like, like if you open the lid, it'll like come out at you like situation. And I'm like, do your best and we'll talk in like two weeks. <laughs> so yeah, but she's amazing. So hoping that goes well, but she's kind of, so she is, um, so she's owned a couple businesses and sold them. And so she's looking for just like side work to kind of keep her busy. And so I'm like, I need, I don't really need a lot. Like I'm, I'm like, I feel like I need a lot, but it's like a good, like we're more doing it for the networking. Like tell mm -hmm. me your business knowledge while we, talk about receipt scanning so it's pretty cool so I'm very excited to have her around that is so. very cool um so i do have one question it's kind of not related to accounting it kind of ties back into the whole mental health and, yeah. and everything do you have or want to share any resources that kind of helped you get yeah. through the tough times i know that we often talk about all the good times and all the celebratory things on instagram and stuff but and the community, but I know there's people out there who want to get started, who are struggling through one thing or another. And it, it yeah, might help somebody. So definitely. So I guess, so my first, my first life coach, um, was, um, so her account is, um, oh, it used to be Stairgo coaching and now she is considering divorce. I believe her name is Britta. And she does coaching programs for people considering divorce, like trying to decide if they want to stay in their marriage or if mm -hmm. they want to leave the marriage and trying to like think clearly. And it's a mindset work. It's like thinking clearly. So you're not making a very emotional choice and like a very emotionally charged situation. Right. And so she was really instrumental in just like getting my head straight. So I could even like begin to process what was happening. So she's excellent. And I send a lot of people her way if they're interested in like working through their own like marriage issues. Um, and then I also have Liz Carroll, the life coach. She is my business coach and she does like money coaching. So if people are wondering about like debt and personal finance and all of that and like mindset around money and like specifically like scarcity mindset where you might think like, I don't know, like people have like very interesting beliefs around money and she works through a lot of that. So she's a really good resource. Um, I've had an array of like counselors over the years. Like I get various like free ones through like different jobs. And so I always have like whatever like corporate like <laughs> counselor they uh, like assign to you. And then I've changed jobs a couple of times. So I've had a few different counselors over the years um, that like helped during various phases of things because I had like really bad anxiety and like slight depression by the time like my, like I decided to like sort my life out. Um, 
And let's see what else. Um, so for those of you that have followed me also, I talk a lot about like narcissism and like narcissistic abuse and gaslighting, um, which are really, really heavy topics, but really, really important ones in relationships because I didn't realize like he clearly had these tendencies all along, but did whatever he could to keep me around because we like, I'm a big, like visionary, like big dream, like make money, earn money, like go work my ass off person. And so that's a really attractive thing for someone because I would make it look shiny and good. And like, everything was fine and perfect. And so it, you know, and I'm also super busy. So he could get away with a lot of behaviors that I had no idea about until, you know, things really hit the fan. And then I found out about all these things that I didn't know about. Um, so there was always kind of like addiction issues along the way that I didn't realize were happening that I'm like, Oh, like you, you've been doing these for longer than I thought, but I probably didn't know because I was traveling for work and we didn't have a child yet. And we literally led like separate lives. And so I talk a lot about that. Um, there's a ton of Instagram accounts. I have a ton of highlights saved from really good accounts. So it's probably a good place to start if you guys are interested, but what got me on that path is I didn't realize this was happening until a friend of mine said, um, like you need to go Google the term gaslighting and figure out what this means to you because she's like the person he's saying you are, that isn't who you are. Like the things he's saying about like feeling like he's on eggshells and like, you're like so anxious all the time. She's like, but you're, you're not like, you're not hard to work with. You aren't a bad communicator. You are a good friend. Like you are a valuable member of this team at work. She's like, I don't see the things that you're being told over and over again. And she's like, you really need to look into this because I think he's warping like your self-perception by constantly kind of repeating these things to you. And I read about gaslighting. I was like, holy shit. And, but you kind of lose your sense of self when this is repeated to you over time. So that was like really illuminating is once you're like informed, like once you see it, you can't like unsee it kind of situation. And then after that, there was like no going back because I'm like, wow, this is extremely unhealthy. <laughs> and now I'm showing up as like this shell of a person I used to be. And so it's been a really good like self-discovery path as well. Um, another really good book, um, if anyone has like addiction issues, um, is so my therapist at the or sorry, marriage counselor at the time. So we tried marriage counseling. Um, it was um, called Codependency No More. And it talks about alcoholism and it talks about drug abuse specifically and mostly, and it was really, really hard to read the first time. And so I'm like, if I could send anyone that book on like codependency patterns and how like that relationship works, um, it was really, really illuminating to see, like, it was very hard to get through the first chapter. And I think that's when I realized like, like I was in a lot of denial about addiction issues being a problem in my marriage. And then that book was kind of like, Oh, and my counselor was like, literally like, Sarah, there's an addiction problem here. Like you're trying to like fix it and mend it. Like, what can I do? And like, you're trying to like fix it yourself. And she's like, but you can't like do that with this like giant elephant in the room. And so that needs to be addressed if like you're going to move forward. And so that was, we went to marriage counseling for a while. Um, but gaslighting is real. And that didn't like it ended up not working out so well. Um, but that was kind of the beginning of the end was just realizing like how twisty things had gotten um, when you're presenting it to like a third party. So yeah, big supporter of all the counseling, all the life coaching and that book specifically was really good. Um, and then also there's a book called like the parallel parenting solution um, because we have a daughter that we share and just trying to 
navigate that in a high conflict parenting situation where like communication is really a challenge. Um, yeah, <laughs> is, is it to, so that's been helpful to kind of understand, um, how to navigate the complexities of that. So, oh my gosh, yeah. I appreciate That's a really you. rambly list of resources. Sorry. Now this is taken. <laughs> no, I'm like shaving years off your life, right? I'm just like rambling on and on, but this is lots of resources. Incredible. And obviously, you know, if anybody knows your problem or who is in a marriage and there's problems or whatever, you know, get help, ask them if they need help, you know, all, all that good stuff. You know, I, I think the most illuminating thing, like realizing your problem is like when you're, if you feel isolated from friends and family and then friends and family are reaching out to you to be like, this isn't like you. And like, he's describing you in this way, but like no one else would describe you like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of the, Oh shit moment. Um, and then also that he like little, like big things that were always there was like, they tend to make every holiday and birthday and special occasion about them. That was like a tried and true thing I found across every person I've ever talked to about it. And it's so random, like, like they will spoil anniversaries, Christmases, birthdays, Thanksgiving, like there's always conflict and you're like, holidays should be happy. Like this is a time of like human connection and joy and it was conflict. Like every major event had some kind of conflict. Um, and so that's like a very, very big red flag. If you're like wondering if this could be something you're in. So that's kind of the easy one that I feel like it's pretty universal. So, and it's a very oddly specific thing. Yeah. That's (laughs) phenomenal. And obviously we'll link all of that good stuff along with a lot a big job linking yeah we'll make sure the show notes have as much of it as possible i'll go through your instagram and maybe try to find a couple of those um instagram accounts as well that you mentioned in your highlights so that we have as many resources as possible for people because there's a lady called like melanie evans who's from like the uk and i just enjoy watching her content because she has a real solid british accent and she's also just (laughs) really good um but i like hear for all the accents like it brings me a little extra layer of joy and then there's another account that's um, my ex is a narcissist and I made it out. Um, those are my two favorites that I follow still because oh, I, I had to like that. break up with some of the accounts because it wasn't healthy, like living in this space mm-hmm. anymore because I'm, like, I feel like my life is like advancing beyond that being like a big part of my identity. But there's a few accounts that I just like, I'm still learning from because it's, it's a lot to unpack. And so the one that she does a really good job, um, and I tag her stuff, like probably every day every week so it's really good so that one seems to be like a decently balanced one some are a little like it's a very emotionally charged situation so some accounts are very like blunt and she seems to do a good job of keeping it educational so yeah that's good if you're like depending where you are in the healing process sometimes you don't need like the bluntness you just need education to understand what the Mm -hmm. heck is happening so right we appreciate you sharing all this yeah yes yeah Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think awareness is really important because I've had so many people reach out where you're like, I like if you like Google gaslighting and it applies to you, it's like a life changing moment. And so the goal is to like always share it in hopes that like it'll help somebody out because there's a couple accounts that we still message each other who they've like gotten out. Um, And they're like behind me. And there's a couple accounts that are ahead and a couple of accounts that are behind in the whole like process of things. But I'm like, this is the phase you're in in about two months. You're going to feel better, (laughs) but it's, it's very interesting. They all have like a very like creepily similar behavior pattern. 
Um, yeah. So it, it makes it really easy to talk about with people because it's exactly the same. So uh, I appreciate you. And I am sure so many of our listeners are going to appreciate um, you just being so open and honest about it. And I feel like a lot of people, you know, if they are experiencing this kind of a situation are definitely not going to be afraid to reach out to you. And just from my yeah. own personal experience, I know that you're going to answer them because I feel like yeah. you answer every DM that you get. Yeah. I don't know how you do it, but <laughs> yeah, there's some that I have, like, I feel like in like DM purgatory where they're like so long and I want to get them a response. They are like chilling in my inbox a little bit. I'm like, I'll get to you when I have time. But if I haven't ever gotten back to you, either a, I forgot or B I needed to like have more time to like sit and think about a good answer for you, yeah. but I do answer everybody. So if I neglect you, it's sheer mistake, or you might get a random DM at like three in the morning when I have time to think and through a like good answer on like three pages a house long. question or something. Yeah. It's, it's three pages long. Cause you <laughs> no. want to give them the best possible so answer. So yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh my gosh. This yeah. was amazing. Sarah. I, I, absolutely love this this is probably more than people bargain this is like all the feels with real estate so sorry everyone (laughs) thank you for going there (laughs) this is going to be the best one yet right bill we hope so (laughs) (laughs) i like it i'm just excited to be in the top 10 i feel honored yeah oh we love you we love you all right well um so if you want to just close us out real quick and tell everybody where they can find you on Instagram, I don't know. I know that I personally know that you have a, um, your own podcast and a website and all that good stuff. So if you want to promote all that here real quick, um, that would be great. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I'm working on, so I'm at nerds guide to FI on Instagram. So you can find me there. I live on Instagram and I answer all my DMS. So feel free to reach out if you have questions or thoughts or want to know anything deeper. I know we hit a ton of different topics today that we didn't probably have time to dive into. So if you're like, have a burning question about portfolio loans or Dave Ramsey, you can always shoot me those. Um, and then otherwise, um, I've now have a new website. I've migrated it twice in the last year. So I'm really have settled on kind of your love as well. So we're on Kajabi now. Um, and so again, doing the podcast, but the big thing that's kind of in the works right now is some courses. And so I've done like a mini course on, um, credit score. So just like knowing what makes up a credit score and how they run them for mortgages, Um, there's some handouts on like digital landlord tools. So I'll do like a giant shout out to like avail in there because avail is my obsession. And then also Stessa I started using. So like just some like tools and things, and then kind of like a general, um, I put together like an investor, like handbook, like what you do when you buy a house, like how do you find tenants? How do you screen them? Kind of what are the nuts and bolts of, from buying the house to putting a human in it? Um, kind of how that goes. So those are, out on the blog and we're kind of putting the finishing touches on them, but yeah, so that is out there. So things to look out for, for the future. So she, she only has a couple things going on guys. Don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, just, just barely alive. Yeah. <laughs> oh I have God. like a course guy and like a podcast girl and like now a personal assistant. So like, there's a lot of humans that are like, 
I'm trying to use this year. So I don't like totally burn myself into the ground. So <laughs> we're trying to dig myself out of the hole that I've created, but it's like a passionate place to be, but it's draining sometimes. So trying to keep the bandwidth up so I can answer everybody's DMs and not get exhausted. So because that's yeah. the fun part. The Instagram is the fun part. The yes. rest, I think we can build out with a good team of people and share the knowledge from Instagram over on different platforms you guys can find. So agreed. Agreed. All right, cool. Well, we will link all of that in the show notes, Sarah, thank you so yeah. much for being here tonight. Um, I think people are going to absolutely love this episode. Um, you thank just you. gave so much value, valuable information. I feel like we're going to have to have you on again. I feel like you just like, you know, we didn't love to, to do like into an episode, like post like the pile of money like I just yes. want to see like what Ooh. happens with that like I really want to be like six months post money like that is because well, uh, I'm real poor about now like I think like when I say like I have like four thousand dollars my name like I'm not kidding <laughs> I so love it it's it's gonna be good <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll mark the calendars yeah it'll yeah. be post- it'll be fun post post money Sarah episode 22 or something like that yes yeah we'll double the episode and we'll yeah. Yeah. see how it goes oh uh, this has been fun yes thank you so much Sarah yes thank you guys have a great night yep. you too mm-hmm.